0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. While I grew up in the Intermountain West, all of my extended family lived in the East, outside of Boston, in New York, in South Carolina. My paternal grandparents, my grandfather being a naval veteran of World War II, are both buried in the historic Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Concord, Massachusetts, founded in 1855. My mother and her parents are buried in a circa 1759 Quaker Cemetery in Camden, South Carolina. As a girl, picnic lunches, Evening or weekend walks through these park-like settings and gardening parties every few years or so to spruce up a family member's headstone were part of life. Both of these cemeteries, like legions of other historic cemeteries interwoven into the fabric of towns and cities across our country, have at least two things very clearly in common. They are dotted with American flags to mark the veterans of wars at rest throughout them, from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to the most recent conflicts. The second commonality is that they are among the first large designed landscapes set aside for public use in these towns. In 1855, Ralph Waldo Emerson gave an address at the official establishment of Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, and he noted, quote, A simultaneous movement has, in hundreds of cities and towns in this country, selected some convenient place of undulating ground with pleasant wood and waters. Every family has chosen its own clump of trees, and we lay the corpse in these leafy colonnades, unquote. Because what better way to honor our dead than laying them to rest and being able to visit and continue to care for them in a garden or a park? Close to a decade later, following the horrors of the Civil War, what would become the national version of this movement, Arlington Cemetery, was established specifically for the burial of Union troops on what had been the 1,100-acre home estate and gardens of General Robert E. Lee and his wife, Mary Custis Lee. Mary had inherited the land from her father, George Washington Park Custis, the grandson and adopted grandson, respectively, of Martha and George Washington. The estate was claimed by the Union during the war due to its location, scenically and strategically overlooking the Potomac, just across the river from Washington, D.C., in Arlington, Virginia. The 624-acre Arlington National Cemetery is a national military cemetery. If gardens serve as connectors in this world, this garden and landscape is a perfect example of this. Union and Confederate troops are buried here, along with veterans of all varieties since. JFK and William Howard Taft are the only two U.S. presidents buried here, and up to 30 services a day continue to be held. In 2014, Arlington National Cemetery celebrated its 150th birthday, and in 2015, it was recognized and awarded the Level 2 accreditation by the ArbNet Arboretum Program and the Morton Arboretum. We're joined today by Stephen Van Hoven, Chief Arborist and Horticulture Supervisor of Arlington National Cemetery Memorial Gardens and Arboretum. He said of the accreditation, quote, it solidifies our commitment to the preservation of our natural and cultural landscape resources and provides the opportunity to tell the stories behind the magnificent trees found here, unquote. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you very much, Jennifer.
0: I always like to start with where the person that I'm speaking with started and your personal influences in life that led you to your work in landscapes and as an arborist and horticulturalist?
1: Well, I always had, uh, since my childhood, um, an interest in the outdoors, being close to nature and trees and woods. I grew up in uh, New York State and going up to the Adirondack Mountains of New York and hiking and, and spending a lot of time camping up there. When I was in high school and in college, I did a lot of work outside. So I always had this connection with growing things and plantings and trees. When I went to college, I actually studied history, which later ended up being great. Then I returned. I went back to school again and studied ornamental horticulture and landscape design. And then going to graduate school, I studied urban forestry. My first job out of graduate school was actually at the Smithsonian Institution, taking care of the landscapes around the museums, the National Mall, and also as the arborist there. And then I came to Arlington in 2006 as the forester, five years ago went into the position as horticulture chief. This position here at Arlington is great for me because it combines both my history background and also my horticulture, forestry background.
0: The history of Arlington National Cemetery is, of course, fascinating, dating back to uh, the beginning of the Civil War and what is now Arlington National Cemetery, sitting on what was General Robert E. Lee and his wife, Mary Custis Lee, their estate across the Potomac from Washington and it was of course confiscated by the Union Army and then in the course of the conflict became um, used as a burying site for for Union soldiers originally. It has always had gardening and landscaping and remarkable trees on its site. when when did a real emphasis on curated collecting, and studying the trees and the plantings in the, in the entire 624 acres really start to take hold.
1: Well, you touched on the fact that uh, when the cemetery, what is now the cemetery was, of course, Robert E. Lee's estate, and before that, George Washington Park Custis' estate. Even then, the estate was well known for, for gardening, for the Landscapes that were here. People would come and visit the gardens. So it was noted as a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. The hill, the mansion on the hill, on top, overlooking the new capital city. And so it it, it even goes back to its very origin as an estate. Of course, during the Civil War, the Union soldiers encamped on the land that is now surrounding, and surrounding the mansion. What will become the cemetery. There were forts. Several forts built. For the defense of Washington, and interment started here in 1864. Of course, the focus from that point on has been interments and burying veterans. There's always there's always been these large trees, large forested lands. There's writings going back to contemporary times of Robert E. Lee about the trees here in the Arlington Woods. After the Civil War was over and the cemetery was established, there was a gardener that was here named David Henry Rhodes. And he was the gardener for Arlington from 1873 to 1930. Wow. And he wrote memoirs, and he was very influential on the plantings, even the plantings that are here, some of them today. So there was always this history of horticulture. There has always been gardeners and horticulturists here at the cemetery, even dating back to the um, 1870s. So we are now carrying on what is really a tradition of uh, horticulture, arboriculture, even Montgomery Meigs, the quartermaster general who, who set aside the land that became Arlington in the Civil War. He was an engineer. He constructed many of the buildings in the aqueduct here in Washington, D.C., but he actually designed and devised tools that he created for pruning trees. We have this little drawing that was done by him showing this special tool for
0: from my understanding, there are about 8,600 trees on site in what is essentially an urban forest. There has been recently an emphasis on sustainability and naturalistic practices with rain gardens being developed in areas to diminish runoff with native plant emphasis in order to encourage and support wildlife within the cemetery. For those people who have never been to the site. Describe what it's like to walk around in the the layout and maybe describe some of the most remarkable gardened and treed areas, Stephen.
1: The older part of the cemetery, land that is immediately in the vicinity of the Arlington House, where the cemetery developed from 1864. Arlington Cemetery is unique somewhat with cemeteries because Arlington was not laid out completely in terms of the horticulture and garden and landscape design. Other of the larger private cemeteries that are um, contemporary to Arlington, like Mount Auburn Cemetery in Boston, Spring Grove and Cincinnati, they were completely designed by landscape architects and horticulturists. And Arlington really developed and evolved. There were several different expansions of the original acreage. So the plantings here, for the most part, are very naturalistic, reminiscent of the rustic cemetery movement of the 19th century. And then within those areas are landscape areas that were designed by landscape architects, the Kennedy Gravesite, mm-hmm. the amphitheater, and these other functional um, areas of the cemetery. So then you get this combination. Intermixed within that are these wild native trees. These are trees that predate the Civil War. Our oldest trees are about 250 years old or so.
0: What kinds of species might we find there, Stephen. The, the most
1: prominent uh, tree, the iconic tree, really, of Arlington National Cemetery is the white oak. So this is Corcus alba, most of the oak species that are found in the eastern, you know, mid-Atlantic forest. So we have chestnut oaks, uh, white oaks, um, red oaks few of the other um, red oak family, black oaks, and then also a lot of the hickories, pig nut hickory and a couple of the other hickory species really make up a lot of our older hardwood species that we have here at the cemetery. And so those older designs like around the amphitheater from the early part of the 20th century are very formal landscape designs and they, are, they use a lot of mass plantings, masses of one species. The whole cemetery is also a national registered Doric place. So we aim to maintain the historic, iconic feel. And then in the newer sections, there's a clear distinction there in the trees and the landscape and the feel of the cemetery and and how it looks. And now we're expanding. And those are the areas we can do, like you mentioned, the rain gardens, things that may not necessarily fit into the older feel of the older sections. Sustainability is is part of a mission of the U.S. Army to look at how we can lessen our impacts to the environment have um, more friendly landscapes. We're right here on the Potomac River, so we're right in the drainage area of Chesapeake Bay. So we're very cognizant of our impacts to the bay, to the ecosystem. And in these newer areas, we could say, hey, let's do things for stormwater management. Let's do things for wildlife. So those gardens where we're doing more diverse plantings, trying to create a a different feel. And so we want to make sure that we are maintaining the historic and maintaining that balance between the historic iconic image that Arlington has, and then also being progressive in our newer landscapes at the same time so that everything blends together and and has the feel as one big whole cemetery.
0: When you mention the sweeps of naturalistic plantings and the mass plantings, what kinds of perennials or shrubs would be common to see there? Do you use like period or historic ones?
1: If you look at different pictures and different drawings of different areas as they were landscaped over the years, they change quite frequently. So it's hard to go back and say, you know, this is going to be this way with this plant. There are more trends, though. There's areas, like I said, the mass plantings in the formal areas. And so, for example, there's a lot of things like cherry laurel, a lot of masses of azaleas and more shrubs in those areas than perennials.
0: I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Cemeteries across our country have and continue to serve as the largest, most designed public landscapes and gardens in our towns and cities. Today, we're speaking with Stephen Van Hoven, Chief Arborist and Horticulture Supervisor of Arlington National Cemetery, Memorial Gardens, and Arboretum in Arlington, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., In 2015, Arlington National Cemetery was credited as a Level 2 Arboretum. Cemeteries, especially historic ones, often hold notable heritage plants, and Arlington is no exception. We'll continue our conversation after the break. Stay with us. if you're just joining us I'm Jennifer Jewell and this is Cultivating Place conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden we're back after a break to continue our conversation with Stephen Van Hoven, chief arborist and horticulture supervisor of Arlington National Cemetery Memorial Gardens and Arboretum in Arlington Virginia welcome back it is a powerful landscape. As the horticulture staff is working on redesigning or planting a given area, how do you balance the aesthetics of that with the emotional response that you might get from visitors?
1: Well, we do definitely look and when we're, if we're renovating a garden area or we're planting a new area, we will contemplate this. The horticulture, Culture staff, just like you would any design. What is the feel going to be here? We do like to add color interest for summer. Of course, here in the mid-Atlantic, your your trees and shrubs aren't going to give you a lot of color. So a lot of the color we get are from annuals, and we plant um, quite a bit of annuals um, every year in in the different garden areas. Um, But there's also, we are cognizant of you know, what happens here every day, 30 funerals a day. There are people transferring caskets and there's, um, you know, mourning and grief. And so maybe the, the bright, colorful, really um, jump out annual colors aren't necessarily appropriate for, for that. So we always are considering these things. And so um, but you don't want everything to be just drab and dull, um, you know, green, evergreen. So um, it's a it's always a balance. Um, we do look at um, more so about color and everything is uh, the um, creating diversity. We want to have a diverse diverse plantings in our beds. So instead of the big mass of cherry laurel or azaleas is always one that comes up, but I mean, there's, in the spring, a big mass of azaleas is just beautiful. It's stunning. And um, and then um, they tend to be still lush and green. They have a lot of water requirements. And then, of course, you have some bugs that get on them, lace bugs and things. And so in those areas where that's historically been that way, we, we try to keep that going. Um, but we try to do more diverse plantings so you have a blend of you'd have evergreen plants and flowering shrubs and trees and understory and shade trees and also perennials mixed in there. So, you know, Of course, we're always considering the cultural requirements here of what's um, required. In the, um, Mid-Atlantic is very, very hot in the summer, and right now we're going through a, a drought time, so we're always cognizant of trying to look for drought-tolerant plants. It is a mix, and it's a challenge. There's a lot of different objectives that we're trying to achieve when we're landscaping somewhere. So
0: for you personally, Stephen, that consideration of the emotional response that a landscape brings out in this very particular audience of families and friends putting loved veterans to rest, what do you find most moving about the way visitors Use the space. Maybe those that are visiting, not at the actual moment of interment, but throughout the year, making making use of the space as a a public park or garden.
1: I think that um, it's definitely moving. I mean, one of the fortunate things about um, working at the cemetery here in horticulture is is that we develop relationships with next-of-kin widows, family members, coming to visit the grave sites, um, which is probably unique um, with us in horticulture as to, like, funeral representatives. They're there the day of the funeral for the family, but then they really don't have interaction with the family afterwards. But we are here, and so we have family that come, and they either call us or write us letters. or I was there visiting my husband's grave, and I just wanted to say how nice it looks or whatever, or the other way around. And so we do develop these relationships with um, these individuals, which I say we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, so, And there have been the trees really connect people a lot. I know that people look for that tree that is there next to um, their loved one's grave and they've been coming for years and there's that big white oak. And then they come one and it's not there anymore because it died or it fell over in a storm or, or what have you. And they, and they actually can get disoriented. They don't know, you know, because then they come to the cemetery, they park their car and they look for the, tree. And so if the tree's not there, they, they're like, what happened? So we get that. I mean, there's a lot of connections to people. Um, and it's more so with the trees, because the trees are have more of a presence and it's more obvious when they're not there. So, um, And I think a lot of this, um, the landscape here, is somewhat subliminal. It's maybe unconscious and you're going and you're walking to the gravesite And you're not really thinking that, oh, those are lovely pansies and that's a great bed of azaleas and stuff. But um, when it's not there, I think people notice or something. I I think that's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. But um, definitely with trees, it's very, um, people are very, I get, we have a lot of contact with with, um, family and, um, you know, it's, I'm concerned about the tree. It doesn't look good and, you know, or you know, yeah, it's gone and and um or or whatever it is, but there's there's a lot of connection with the trees here.
0: With that in mind, I know that the uh, Arlington Arboretum has quite a few memorial trees, heritage trees, state champion trees. If you were going to recommend to someone going to visit the cemetery, what Four or five trees would you like them to go and see and visit when they're there
1: Well it's very hard for me to answer I always people always ask me what's your favorite tree but um, there are definitely four or five of the some of our bigger white oaks I mentioned um, four are really kind of the iconic tree and there's probably there's more than just five though it's hard to narrow it down but um, there's a couple that are just amazing specimen specimens. They're um just so incredibly majestic big um big trees. We have a great American elm that is here in the cemetery that is uh spread is like over a hundred feet wide. It's just um an incredible um tree. But it I mean it is hard to narrow it down and um, people will just have to come here and see them <laughs> themselves. Um we do. We mentioned on the, um, we have a couple of state champion trees. We have three state champion trees. So these are the largest um, of the species in Virginia. We have a state champion yellowwood. Hmm. Um, the polonia tree and uh, sawtooth oak are all um, state champions for the state of Virginia. Nice. Um, but there is a lot. There's... We have over 300 and um, close to 350 different species at the cemetery. And um, our oldest trees, like I said, are going back about 250 years old. So just some beautiful old uh, specimens of trees. One thing that's great about a cemetery, um, cemeteries in general, is that um, for the most part trees are kind of left alone in the cemetery once interments occur around the tree. Um, so there's not, we have a lot of trees that have just been left to grow for um, 150 years. So, um, but there are a lot of beautiful trees here. Um, and we have our flowering. Um, you know, Washington, D.C. is known for the cherry blossoms and everything. And we have quite a few cherries here ourselves. And so the springtime is beautiful with a lot of the flowering trees, the dogwoods, red buds, um, just a burst, just real burst of um, color here in April.
0: Stephen Van Hoven, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you.
1: All right. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: In our conversation, Stephen touches on the subliminal effect of a landscape and the powerful presence and personality of the trees at Arlington in particular. He also noted the unique nature of trees planted in cemeteries as being planted and then for the most part being left to their own devices, with far less negative pressure and competition than most trees in the urban canopy. Arboriculture at Arlington National Cemetery includes a care schedule of each tree on the grounds being pruned as needed every four years. About 200 trees are removed from the Arboretum each year, and 240 replacements are planted. Weeding is done by hand without the use of pesticides. Arlington is home to three state champion trees and one co-champion, Memorial Trees and Medal of Honor Historic Trees. State champion trees are those deemed to be the largest specimens of their species in a state. And in Virginia, this is designated by Virginia Tech. Trees are measured using the American Forest Points measurements of tree circumference, height, and the average crown spread. Each of these are given a point value. Most trees are measured and nominated for champion status by general citizens. The nominations are then sent to the state registry or the National Register of Big Trees. Nominations are followed up by fieldwork to confirm a tree's measurements before it can be registered as a champion. Arlington National Cemetery also has a large collection of memorial trees throughout its grounds. These trees are living memorials, commemorating military units and battles, veterans, families, and others who serve. Finally, Arlington National Cemetery Memorial Gardens and Arboretum has 36 Medal of Honor historic trees. Each of these trees is a descendant of a historic tree somewhere in our nation, and their relatives at Arlington serve as living tributes to the nation's Medal of Honor recipients. Among these trees are descendants of a Walden Woods red maple, of the Helen Keller water oak corcus nigra, of a Lee family sweetgum, of a national champion crape myrtle, of the Ute Council cottonwood, descended from a cottonwood tree in Delta, Colorado, which shaded peace meetings between the Ute tribe and settlers after the Meeker Massacre in September 1879, and finally a descendant of the eastern native overcup oak, corcus lirata, that shaded the Hardin County, Kentucky home where Abraham Lincoln was born. All trees carry stories, meaning, and memories of and in the places they grow, as individuals or as a forest community. This is perhaps even more conscientiously and poignantly so of the leafy colonnades at Arlington National Cemetery. Stephen Van Hoven is the Chief Arborist and Horticulture Supervisor of Arlington National Cemetery Memorial Gardens and Arboretum. He joined us by phone from his office at Arlington. Arlington National Cemetery is open 365 days a year. The Horticulture Division offers guided walking tours focusing on trees, flowers, pollinators, and other garden topics. Please visit the Arlington National Cemetery website for more information on days and times. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Sarah Bohannon. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit MyNSPR.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit JewelGarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.